0: Gentlemen, come forward. You're gonna spend the exact same amount of time in the masjid one way or the other, you may as well get more reward, right? Why leave why leave why leave it on the table? Come forward. Come forward, come forward. Alhamdulillah, by Allah's trouble, we are in the last week of dhul the Mubarak month of Dhul-Hijjah, will start next week. There is a great possibility that Thursday, next Thursday will be the first day of Dhul-Hijjah. Like was mentioned in the talk before Jumu'ah last week, the first 10 days of al hijjah are the most Mubarak and blessed of days in the entire year and rasulullah sallallahu wasallam himself used to command to the ummah to strive in order to show your slavehood to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these days through acts of obedience through acts of worship in addition to the general prescription of acts of obedience and acts of worship, there are two that are particularly worthy of mention. One is that the Messenger of Allah SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam used to fast in these first nine days. And he used to SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam command people to fast in these first nine days. And he used to then put even more emphasis on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah, the day of Tarwiyah, and even more than that on the 9th of Dhul Hijjah, the day of there's a narration attributed to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in which it's mentioned that the fast of one of these days in reward is like the fast of a year in other than it. Obviously this doesn't preclude or preclude the fast of Ramadan or uh, other obligations. But some random day you fast, you may not receive as much reward. In these days, if you fast, the fast of any of these nine days is like fasting a year otherwise. Why? The whole idea of slavehood is not that you do what you like, what you want. Rather, you hear and you obey. This is what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In addition to this, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu it's attributed to him in the same narration. That the person who fasts on the eighth of Dhul-Hijjah, in addition to this enhanced reward, that it will be an expiation for sins for one year. And in addition to that, on the ninth it will be the expiation of two years' worth of sins. Obviously, kafara of sins does not negate the necessity to make toga. It does not negate the necessity to repent from one's sins. However, this is a great, prize in a great treasure from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oftentimes, preachers make a living for themselves by scaring the daylights out of wonderful and average Muslims like yourselves, by telling them about all the punishment and all the jahannam and all of these things that a person's sins will garner. And indeed, those things are very horrible and very terrible. You should protect yourself from them, no doubt. However, on the flip side, on the flip side, everything that has some very harsh and negative reality on it, There's another side of the coin that there's great positivity as well. That for the person who wants to straighten up and fly right, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put great, great amounts of help in this deen. And so a person, maybe this wasn't the best year for them in their life. Maybe they feel bad about something, they regret something. Repent for your sins. If you did bad by somebody else, you have to fix that up. There's no shortcut about that. The only shortcut about that is what? Just don't do it in the first place. Be careful how you deal with people after that, or in tandem with that. If a person doesn't feel good about something, these are opportunities Allah Ta'ala has hidden hidden them around every corner. There are days in the year Allah Ta'ala has hidden these opportunities in. There are certain relationships you have with different people Allah Ta'ala has hidden these opportunities in. There are certain places Allah Ta'ala has hidden these opportunities in. Like the masjid, take the opportunity, avail yourself of it. Then even further, even greater than the fast of these first nine days. Is what is the actual sacrifice of Dhul Hijjah? The actual sacrifice of Dhul Hijjah, which is done on the Yom Al Nahr. Yom Al Nahr is a a synonym. There's between Eid al Adha and Yom Al Nahr. Generally, the word Yom Al Nahr is the day of immolation, the day of sacrifices. That it's generally used to refer to the tenth of Dhul Hijjah. That Allah Ta'ala and his Rasul have instituted a sacrifice on that day. And if Allah Ta'ala, we remember from the hadith, that he doesn't love that the slave should show his slavehood in any days more than he loves that the slave should show his slavehood in these first ten days of the hijab. Then the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa in a different narration, he mentions that. There is no deed more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these 10 days than the spilling of blood of sacrifices. Again, the idea of slavehood is that the slave does what the master commands. Every year, we hear people saying, well, instead of making a sacrifice in this day, what if I give this money to charity? What if I build a shelter for like lost dogs and cats? What if I donate to my political, uh, favorite political cause and they'll like restore this and that and it'll be better this way, it'll be better that way. Do all of those things, by all means, don't stop it. However, the worship of Allah Ta'ala, the dictate of it is what? Is that the most beneficial and the most reward and the most honor and the most love in the eyes of Allah Ta'ala in these days. After the fara'id, after the obligations that are already well known, the regular obligations on a slave, is what? The spilling of the blood of sacrifices that a person should give a sacrifice. Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he considered this sacrifice to be wajib, that a person who is able to do so must do so. It's an obligation. If he misses it, it's a sin. For no reason, if he misses it, it's a sin. Imam Malik and the other Imams, they didn't consider it to be far. they didn't consider it to be wajib. But Imam Malik ta'ala considered it to be so emphasized, such an emphasized sunnah, that it is a rigorously emphasized sunnah. It's a sunnah mu'akkada to the point where even if a person doesn't have the money to make the sacrifice, if they have to borrow money from somebody else in order to make the sacrifice, <laughs> let them borrow the money and they can reasonably expect to pay it back in the year, let them borrow the money and pay it back in the year. Because the amount of reward that comes from this sacrifice is not commensurate with the amount of money you're going to spend. And if you spend that money on any other day, you're not going to receive the same reward. Here we see some sort of intersection between this this practice and this Eid, and the zakat al-fitr and the Eid al-fitr. And in general, The the theory and the principle behind the two reeds of Islam is what? Is that every other holiday that every other people and every other home celebrate has to do with something somebody else did or something that happened somewhere else externally. The new year is the earth making a trip around the sun. You didn't do it and I didn't do it. Christmas is when somebody was supposedly born even though they weren't born that day. You didn't do it and I didn't do it, perhaps nobody did in real life. George Washington's birthday that's his birthday, not yours. The fourth of July. Who here was you know present to plant the flag and fight the British and you know, take one for the team, you know, the team freedom, mashallah. None of us were. Not Democrats, not Republicans. Not the guy across the street from you who has like like seven flags up on his house. None of us were there. And has like 20 flag stickers on his Dodge Ram. None of us were there. None of us, none of us were there. We're celebrating something, what? That somebody else did. Many of these things, mashallah, we benefit from them. We show sugar, we show thankfulness. But it's nothing that we ourselves did. And in fact, to take excessive pride in things like this is a sign of nifaq. it's a sign of hypocrisy, according to our deen. Allah Ta'ala describes the hypocrites as people The people who love to be praised for the things that they didn't themselves do It's America America. What did you do for America since you dropped out of football in high school? You haven't done anything for like anybody around you? What have you done? Why are you? You know like we're all proud of being here Alhamdulillah mashallah. We're happy with what Allah gave us bad things we accept them as bad but good things we also accept them as good there's nothing wrong with that but don't be proud of something somebody else did to the point where you yourself start to think that this is a a a a virtue of myself no you do something for your neighbors for your country etc this is one example there are a number of examples people are like that with the ummah as well of course you should be proud of the ummah. of course you should be proud of the quran of course you should be proud that you worship allah ta'ala who created the heavens and earth from nothing. Of course, that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't start to think that just because I, I'm a Muslim that I, I am the Prophet وسلم, that I am the Sahaba that I am salahuddin Ayubi, that I am any of these people. Don't start to think just because you worship Allah Ta'ala that I am Allah. Some people have this problem actually. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. The theory behind the Eid, the theory behind it, the, the celebrations of the Muslims is what? You fasted Ramadan. You paid your zakat al-fitr, you showed up early in the morning crying out to Allah Ta'ala, saying the takbir, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. Whatever you put into it, that's what you're getting out of it. Of course what you get out of it is more than what you put into it. But the idea is that you have to put something in in order to get something out. Just like you put the net in the water, a fisherman puts his net in the water in order to catch fish. The net doesn't make fish exist. You know what I mean? Allah Ta'ala is the one who made the fish. Allah Ta'ala is the one who sent it to your net. But at the same time, there's this thing in Hajj, which is what, Sa'i, going back and forth between Safa and Marwa. It's a commemoration of something that one of the great women of this Ummah, Sayyidah Hajar, our mother, Alayha did. Which is she needed the water for the baby, but she didn't just stand still and say oh, Allah send me a bottle of Pellegrino. She made sa'i. She went back and forth between Safa and Marwa. Now tell me, anyone here who knows about hydrology or about meteorology or physics or chemistry, does going back and forth between two mountains generate water? Does it make a well appear? Does it make a spring appear? Absolutely not. But Allah Ta'ala loves for the slave to make sa'i, to hustle sofa The thing you hustle for, you'll see the result of that thing. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. Some people hustle to kill a competition, their business will make money. Some people hustle because they're an idiot and they're just following the cues of someone else who's goading and prodding them. They'll see the result of that as well. Some people hustle for the sake of Allah, they'll see the result of that as well. Allah loves for the slave to make sa'i. So just like that, what you put in is very little, what you get out of it is going to be a lot more. But you have to put something in, in order to get something out. And the person who puts in more, will get more out of it. So the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, من وجد ساعة يضحي فلم يضحي There are a number of different narrations of this hadith. The upshot of all of them is what? If you're able to make a sacrifice on this day, you don't make a sacrifice on this day. There's no point. It's like a, uh, it's like a double emphatic statement. There's no point in that person double, triple emphatic. There's no point in that person coming anywhere near the Masallah of Eid. Meaning, you can get nice clothes. You can wake up in the morning, get a, sh- you know, take a shower, wear your perfume, get your nice car, get it washed and detailed. You can do all of that. You might even get up and give the Eid khutbah. But if you didn't put something into the system in order to get something out, all of it is just a joke. This is not me saying this to deprecate other people. This is all of us have to remind ourselves that if I'm not putting anything into this, if I'm not struggling at all, if I'm not doing my, these acts of worship that are there for these 10 days or, just the basic parts of the deen even, then showing up with nice clothes, you're like kind of, you should feel a little goofy doing that. And you should know that the aid is even more aid for the person who puts in more Sa'id, the person who puts in more hustle. The hadith of the Prophet SallAllahu mentioned the virtues of the sacrifice in great detail. I will mention them again next week, inshallah, in great detail. However, the point is that you don't want to figure out how to play football in the middle of the match. Before it starts, you should have an idea. Okay, this is our goal. That's the other goal. We want to kick the ball in this one, not into the other one. Or, depending on which football you're talk- talking about, you can re- replace the word touchdown for goal. It's okay. It's just a metaphor. You should know before before like stepping on the pitch that the first day of the Hijjah is probably, depending on the moon sighting, is probably going to be on Thursday. Check with your local Ulama and with the whatever Chicago Hilal Moonsiding Committee for more details. And remember this also, that the commemoration of this sacrifice, which was instituted by our father, Sayyidina Ibrahim Alayhi Salaam, Although it existed from before as well, there's a great amount of detail that we don't have time for that this sacrifice is the sunnah of our father Sayyidina Ibrahim and there's a very important story that we oftentimes underestimate which is mentioned in the Qur'an with regards to him. Which is that when he was just a boy, he saw the people worshipping idols. I don't need to explicate at great length why that's a bad thing in this group insha'Allah. And he knew it was wrong. And most of us are familiar with the story that he waited until his people went out for some festival or celebration that they had. And he stayed back, and he destroyed their idols, except for the large one. He put the axe in the hand of the large one, so that when they came back and they asked who did it, he could then sarcastically, satirically say it's the large one who did it. All of them responded, you know that it can't, it can't do any of that. Like, why are you making a fool of us? And then he said, well, why do you worship something that's so completely unable to do anything? This is what? One of the most fundamental of realities, it's a very Emperor's New Clothes type of situation, and he said the truth. Everybody knew the truth, both the Mushrikeen and Sayyidina Ibrahim a.s. But there's a special element in this story which we should take inspiration from, which is what? Everyone knew the truth, nobody wanted to say anything, because it's going to be very detrimental and difficult for them. The difference between Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhis salam and between the rest of them is not that he knew the truth and they didn't. All of them knew. The difference is that he loved the truth. What is love? It's something that is doesn't operate within the confines of like rationality. <laughs> Juliet tells Romeo that come meet me 3 a.m. at my balcony in the middle of like a part of town. You'll get killed, and if you even get seen. What does he say? Hey, listen, baby, that's not like uh, safe. You know, like let's just text each other. No. If he did it, wouldn't be a, an inspirational story, would it? He actually shows up at the balcony. And I thought i recommend this, but I'm saying it's a metaphor. Why? Because of love. that Ibrahim it was his love of the haq, of the truth that made him do this. This love is dissolving from people's hearts the more engrossed they are in the dunya, and the more engrossed they are with those things that distract them from the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. But the love of the hak is what makes you a good person. The love of the haqq is what you should think about, and you should remember, because all of us have problems, including in first starting with myself, that we should just remember, take this occasion to remember that there are some people who love Allah Ta'ala. Al-Haqq is one of Allah Ta'ala's names as well, that they love Al-Haqq more than we love money, more than we love our phones, more than we're concerned with our property, real estate, property, taxes, inflation, stock market, Bitcoin, all of these things. That there are, there are some people that Allah, loved, that Allah loved and He allowed them because of that love to love Him more than any of these things. And they're good people, they're better people than us. Our love of those people and our love of the, their actions also makes us better people, it makes us good people, and it's a starting point for us to take that journey as well. Without that commitment, one must question what the point of any of this is. Allah Ta'ala make us amongst those who are in love with the Haq, and who are drawn to the Haq, and who prefer the Haq over all other things. اللهم تاعجب بس كفيك وصلى الله تعالى على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين.